All right, so we, uh, we have been talking about uh, the two parts of life. And in the two parts of life, uh, when you see that graphic, you'll see that basically the two parts of life are this, that one part is, and the first part, the priority to God is Him loving on us, right? And sending His love to us. Part two is us loving on God. And you can't have effective part two unless you have and received part one. It's the word says that you can't love unless God first loved you, right? So in other words, how are we going to basically check off the list and do everything that we need to do if we haven't, which is loving on God, if we haven't received his love? So, so many times we have it out of order or we have had it out of order in the church. And what we need to do is we need to back up and say, wait a minute, what's God's plan? How does he work with this? And what is part one? And so in that two parts of life, we've been talking a whole lot about uh, that the gift of righteousness is a key to operating in those two parts of life. Now, one of the things is, when, what happens when we get over into the situation where we need uh, stuff like money, you know, things? What happens when we get over there? How do we receive that? How do we move into the gift of righteousness? Well, I've been taking some time here in the last uh, couple weeks particularly and just kind of meditating on finances and, and different portions of it, and uh, specifically now having some uh, insight and some revelation into the gift of righteousness and the two parts of life, this has really changed things. It's changed the way that I look at things. And today, as I was uh, sitting in these verses that we actually talked about on Sunday, um, man, God opened up something, and when I saw it, I went, Oh my goodness, this changes finances for me forever. There's no reason why finances shouldn't be flowing in abundance in our life. And if they're not, there's a breakdown in this system. One of the things that we're looking at is this. Um, do we or are we or are we not blessed with every spiritual blessing? We are. So then why are we experiencing lack? There, there's a something's misfiring. Wouldn't you agree that hey, if we're if we're blessed with every spiritual blessing, but yet we're experiencing lack somewhere, something is misfiring, because we're supposed to be walking in that and seeing the manifestation. This is why Jesus died. But here's one of the things: we're operating in grace, but we're also operating in a corrupted world. So there's some corruption that's still afoot in the world because of the curse, because of sin, and yet we're also under full grace, which brings about the fullness of God's blessing in our life. So why are we still seeing lack? See, one of the things I think, and this really became clear to me more today, I'm sure that there's even more revelation, but um, one of the things is that when grace gave us everything, Ultimately, it unlocked, and when righteousness opened up grace, and right, righteousness and grace gave us everything, ultimately what it did was it unlocked the way for us to operate in a corrupted world and move into everything that righteousness and grace paid for. In other words, when Jesus became 
poor that we might be rich, it didn't just, he wasn't just talking about finances. He was talking about the fullness of salvation. He was talking about every solution that you would ever need. Okay? So now one of the things is though, all right, then why aren't we seeing it? And ultimately it comes back to the point that we through Christ have received righteousness and therefore grace because we've already seen where righteousness empowered grace. All right. So when we received righteousness, we received everything, but yet we don't have everything. So we've got to look into the Word and say, all right, Lord, what you did is you opened up a system. You opened up how to operate in the kingdom and move in. Tonight we'll be talking about kingdom finances, but you can apply this in any area of the kingdom is how do we move and operate in the kingdom and literally get those things to manifest, get those things to show up so that I'm not operating in lack anymore. Wouldn't it be nice to figure that out? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I've personally been going after that for 15 years now and, and still just getting some revelation today. So let's go back and look at this, 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And although we're talking about finances, you can put anything in this blank and you're going to see that it works this way. But clearly finances is a great example to talk about. And although we're talking about finances, we are still in the two parts of life. They go hand in hand. This is why this is a practical application of the two parts of life. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8, great verse and God is able to make all grace. How much? Is there any, any grace missing? I love the joke. You know what the Greek word for that word all means? All. <laughs> That's right. I love that. It, it doesn't get old. I don't know why. Um, I like it every time. And God is made, able to make all grace abound. So we're going to be talking about finances tonight, but what if you need wisdom? Is wisdom in all grace? Yeah. Is solving the problem at your work, is it in all grace? Yeah. So we're talking about anything that you need. All grace got it covered. We need to learn how to tap into that all grace. In other words, all grace is already paid for, but how do I get it working in me? How do I get it here? Well, not only do we want to know, but the world wants to know that. God's had the answers the whole time. All right? So God is able to make all grace. That's pretty awesome in itself. But not only is it all grace, not just pieces of it, he makes it abound. This is all grace abundantly. This is what it's talking about. Not just to the full. This is, go back to Psalms 23, my cup runneth over with grace, with all grace, as a matter of fact, right? And God is able, and as we read this, I want you to kind of make a note. This is God's will for you. God is laying out his will in these two verses, uh, verse 8 and verse 10. He's laying out a list of his will right here. So if you're wondering, was well, it God's will for me to have abundance uh, of his grace? Yes, this is his will. He's pointing it out to you, okay? And God is able to make all grace abound to you. That's number one, all grace abound. So that having all sufficiency in everything, everything, you are sufficient in everything. 
Now, how would an adult in a corrupted world look at that? An adult in a corrupted world would read that and say, with a logical brain, not a godly, not a spiritual brain, with a logical brain would say, well, you know, when I need it, he'll give me sufficient supply in that area, when I need it. Now, how would a child look at that? A child would look at that and go, in everything, all sufficiency. Amen! Exclamation point. That's the way a child would look at that, right? So, again, we're seeing the will of God. We need to have faith as a child, not faith as a logical adult. We need to understand what the difference is between those two, and we need to make sure that we apply it with faith as a child. I, that means every place that I go, in everything, I have all sufficiency in everything. It really means what it says. It's the Bible, and it's true. It really does mean that. So, all grace abound, all sufficiency in everything, so that I may have an abundance for every good deed. All right? Not just a supply and not even just sufficiency for every good deed and abundance for every good deed. Now, do we have the uh, graphic with the two parts of life? So as we look at that again, here's really where it ties into. When we start talking about abundance and sufficiency and all grace, then what we have in this graphic, if, if they show it to you on the, on the live stream in the archive too, when you see it right here, all, all grace abounding, that's towards you. Uh, sufficiently in everything, that's towards you unless you're at work for the kingdom and then that filters over into part two where you're loving back on God. But this one right here, abundance for every good deed. Well, who is putting you up to every good deed? This is God. So when we are in every good deed, this is loving back on God. So now he's showing you, I'm showing you the way to love back on me properly. Amen? So let's go now to verse 10. It says... Now he who supplies seed to the sower, so there's the next promise, seed to the sower, right? Now, are, are you sowing to yourself? Is that, in other words, it's like, okay, I'm giving to me. No, so that is, again, is that a blessing uh, to me? Indirectly it is, but directly it's a blessing to the kingdom. So again, this, is, this promise right here is part two. All of these promises, they either fall in God loving on me or me loving on God, and he's telling us how to get them. He's telling us, he's showing us how do I operate in a corrupted world through my righteousness and have this manifest. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, now that's God loving on you. He's supplying your what even what you need to eat will supply and multiply your seed for sowing. Now, this is him loving on you and you loving on him because he's given you the ability to love on him to the utmost. But in your sowing, you will be receiving back bread for food. So this is a double here. And the increase, the harvest of your righteousness. Incredible statement right there. So now... What are we talking about in the two parts of life? We're talking about 
the gift of righteousness. This is the huge, we're talking about the gift of righteousness. And we're seeing that what he's showing us is how do we move to the place where the gift of righteousness and my loving on you will increase your harvest. This is what that whole section is talking about. How do we move into that? So now look at this. In these God's will for you, if you pull up the notes, this is laid out for you, uh, boomerangchurch.org slash notes. It says, number one, here is the will of God for you. Number one, all grace abound to you, sufficiency in everything, abundance for every good deed, seed to the sower, bread for food, multiply seed for sowing, and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Is that not a great list? How, what, what is left out of that list? I can't, I can't think of a thing, right? All right, so, uh, but that list of great things came from the verses before that, like what we talked about on Sunday. So let's go back to verse 6, because that great list is awesome, but you don't just get there without partnering with the Lord in the right way. You don't just get to that list without partnering. So in verse 6 it says, Now this I say, he who sows sparingly, in other words, the one who's giving and planting seed sparingly, will also reap sparingly. You know, there's another verse that says, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man uh, sows, that shall he also reap, right? So this is, this is a kingdom principle, so to speak. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Then verse 7, each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. He loves a cheerful giver. Then it goes into, and God is able to make all grace abound. And if you look at this in context, he's particularly talking about their giving, and he's t telling them basically that because you have this heart, and if you continue to have this heart, you purposed in your heart to be a bountiful giver, God will be able to make all grace abound to you. And that whole list of stuff that is his will for all mankind. Anybody who wants to can have any piece of that and all of it. All they have to do is accept Christ and then just be purpose in their heart to be a bountiful giver. And that comes. Now, but here's the thing. This brings up a point in finances and in kingdom finances. Because there's basically two sides, okay? Basically two things that people get to. And that is the difference between grace and receiving only because of grace or receiving based off of sowing and reaping. And there's a little bit of a rub between those two, which we're going to talk about. So, but first, before we do that, let me talk to you about some general mindsets on biblical finances. Okay? General mindsets on biblical finances, this probably doesn't cover them all, but it covers the kind of five major groups here. Number one is uh, one mindset on biblical finances is that God wants you poor and humble. Okay, And he does want you humble, 
but he doesn't do it by making you poor. Matter of fact, even in the blessing in the Old Testament, which we have a better covenant, the blessing in the Old Testament said that I want you prosperous. And I want you the head and not the tail. I want you the, the lender and not the borrower. Well, the lender means that you have not only what you need, but you have an abundance of it. So, you know, I'm, I'm not spending a whole lot of time on why that is or isn't true tonight. I'm, ex, I'm expecting that you all already know that we have moved beyond that in our thinking in kingdom finances. Now, I'll be happy, anybody that may be watching or anything, I will be happy to answer questions if you are truly wanting to learn and you're trying to get to the place where God wants you to get. If you just want to argue, I don't do that. So, All right, the number two uh, mindset is this on biblical finances is uh, God will sovereignly give prosperity. God will sovereignly give prosperity. In other words, he will give me prosperity if he wants to. And some people he gives it to and some people he doesn't. But God's in control. And if he wants me to be prosperous, then I will be prosperous and I won't be able to do anything about it. Here's the only thing about that. Here's the problem with that. He's already said he wants you prosperous. You go into 3 John chapter 1, verse 2. He says, Beloved, above all things, I wish that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So you can, and then you have other verses. I mean, where's Chris? Chris? We went through, he was like, how can somebody not believe that God doesn't want you prosperous? How can they believe that God doesn't want you prosperous? I don't know. And for 30 minutes, we sent scriptures back and forth to each other that talked about prosperity. I mean, it just went on and on and on. God, God wants you prosperous. It's all over the word. But here's the issue, and I can prove that one wrong right here. Because it says in Hebrews 11, uh, verse 6, it says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. See, when I just say that God wants me prosperous, but his, that God, if he wants me prosperous, he'll make me prosperous sovereignly, but God has already told me that he wants me prosperous, and he wants every person prospered and in good health. All right? If he wants that, and it, it's all over the word, but if he wants that, then I am being very lazy with my faith. Very lazy to see that God wants me prosperous and say, well, if he wants to do it, he will. So that's incorrect. That's an incorrect one too. Now, and if you'll follow me, you'll see that there's a better plan for all of this, and it's in the Word. Now, the next thing is when somebody gets it in their head that God wants them prosperous, but it's just head knowledge but they still aren't at the place of faith or action on that knowledge. In other words, they know, they have mental assent, God wants me prosperous, but they're not into the place where they're actually taking action on that, nor are they applying faith for it yet. But it's the first step into true biblical prosperity. And when the Bible talks about prosperity, it is financial, but it's not just financial. Financial's the low end of the totem pole. He wants you prosperous in all things, in everything. Spiritual, mental, uh, physical, social, financial, everything. He wants you prosperous. That's what he means when he says, I want you rich and I want you prosperous. It's all of that, okay? And even over in... Um, I think it's 1 Timothy chapter 6. It, it says that if you accompany contentment and holiness, he says he will give to you great wealth. 
This is, I'm paraphrasing, but it's a great, great promise. In other words, all we have to do is get content and then just be about God's will. He said, God will give you the stuff. He's talking about literal material stuff, all right? So then, so the first three is God wants you poor and humble. Uh, two is that God will sovereignly give prosperity. Number three is God wants me prosperous. I know about it, but I'm not at the place of acting on it yet in faith. Then number four is somebody who understands seed time and harvest, okay? Now, these are in no particular order. This happens to be sort of the way that I went through and learned it. But uh, the four is somebody gets a hold of seed time and harvest, and they understand if I plant by sowing finances, there's going to be some time, and I will harvest. Amen? And I'm, I'll tell you right now, that works because the Lord said, as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest will remain. So that's a promise of God. It's a system of God, and it does work. And it's awesome. It works. Now, here's the other one. Uh, the fifth one is prosperity through grace alone that says, I'm prosperous because Jesus died for me and he loves me. And so I believe you for finances. Well, what's wrong? Which one of those is wrong? Does seed time and harvest work? Yeah. Does prosperity through grace work? Yeah. Both of them work. They have to be together. That's just it, and that's what we're looking at. But you'll find that most people will operate only at this point in one or the other. All right? I'm going to show you how this works. All right. So seed time and harvest, that person, and I'm not saying that every person that believes in seed time and harvest uh, thinks this way or acts this way, but if they will get a hold of this and just hang on for a second, you'll see how which one's wrong, neither one of them. They're both right. You just have to see the connection between the two. So here's, here's what it says. Uh, seed time and harvest says, basically, I will abundantly increase as I sow abundantly. They take this verse here. Now he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Man, that, that's, that's their verse when they're believing for harvest time to come up. All right? Now, but here's the thing. What is that? If I sow, then I will reap. That's the law. You see? So they're... Are they going to be limited in this if it's the law? Yes, it is. You look back into the law. It says, if you will keep my commandments, then you will be blessed. But if you don't keep my commandments, then you won't. It's the if, then, if, then. But that's the law. And if you're operating in the law only, you're going to, you're going to be limited. You're going to be, even though it's a promise of God and a system of God, you're going to be limited. Okay? And it's not that it doesn't work. It's that it's limited. How many people have ever gotten to the place, uh, and, and generally after you start get, getting some of these things and start understanding, you've ever gotten to the place where you said, you know what, I'd like to give more, I just don't have it in my pocket. I'd like to give more right now. I want to give, but I don't have it in my pocket. I'm telling you why that is. I'm getting ready to show you why that is, okay? Now, prosperity through grace says, I will abundantly increase simply because of grace. Simply because of grace. Which is true. They will. 
And generally, if you're in the gray side of things, the thing is, you will say, there's no limits on that, but there is. You know why? Because this is basically faith without works. In other words, I'm believing you for it, but I'm not a sower. I'm going to show you. There, you're starting to see the gaps in both sides of that. Alone, they don't work. We're going to combine them. Okay? So here's, here's the interesting thing. Now here's the grace versus the sowing and reaping argument is, all right, uh, let's, let's go to 1 Corinthians 6, 12. First Corinthians six twelve says, "All things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable." So let's just think about finances, okay? Then it goes on to say, "All things are lawful, but I will not be mastered by anything." Okay, so he's given us a balance of grace here. But what I want to show you is, how can I have grace where I have everything freely? And yet, this verse here shows me that some people are going to be more profitable than others. Can you see the rub and see the argument? How can I have everything freely and it's all mine, yet some people are going to have more? Uh, let's go to another verse. Uh, flip to the right a little bit. Uh, chapter 10 and verse 23. Another translation says all things are not beneficial. This verse says all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. Again, all things are lawful, but not all things edify or build up. So then you go over into where we were at earlier, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 10, and it says, Now he... He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest. Increase the harvest. So in other words, there's got to be a way where we either increase or decrease our harvest of righteousness. There's got to be a way where we either increase or decrease, where we operate in more profit or less profit in financial things. But even in, even in spiritual things, there's got to be a way where we operate in more anointing or less anointing. See, anointing will fit in here too. That's, I'm, I'm liking that. I must spend some time there, personally. There's got to be, there's something. So, see, grace, a lot of people will say that if I have grace, I have all things already. I don't need to go make a payment. It doesn't need to cost me anything. And they're right. But yet, one person can operate in increase and the other person can operate in a decreased amount. So there's got to be that balance and that's what we're talking about. Because when we understand that balance, we'll see how to operate in the increase and the all grace abounds and yet not be limited by the law. Okay? So how can we have grace alone 
that gives us all things, yet not all things bring profit or have more or less harvest of righteousness. Let me give you uh, two scenarios, okay? Let me just, uh, I'm going to go ahead and do this. We're going to look at the two different scenarios here. This one is seed time and harvest. Uh, we'll, I'll spell it out. Bah. Seed time and harvest. Actually, I want that on the other side. Uh, can I get somebody that's got good handwriting real quick? Write real big. I heard that, Chris. Seed time and harvest, and over there will be prosperity through grace. One, one color, one the other. Awesome. So in seed time and harvest, let me give you this scenario. You've got somebody who's operating in seed time and harvest. Now this works. Seed time and harvest works, but it's limited. Are, they are sowing for increase. See, in seed time and harvest, they are sowing for increase. Okay? So, uh, we're going to put that. Oop, let me have the black one. We're going to prosperity through grace, yes. Draw that over there. Whoop. All right. So, over here, they are sowing for increase actually you could probably draw that better than me will you do that and make yeah. some bullet points sure. they are sowing for increase so does that work yeah yeah they sow they're going to reap all right here's the other thing but does that make them a bountiful cheerful giver even though they give much, even though they give a lot, it does not make them a bountiful and cheerful giver. And one thing that you're going to see is even though they may sow, I mean, millions of dollars, that definitely doesn't mean that they're a cheerful giver. Here's the other thing. Even if they sow millions, they're still, I'm going to show you the limiting factor in a second. They're still limited. In other words, they could be giving more. They could be giving and receiving more abundantly. Okay? So, uh, number one is they're sowing for increase, but they're not necessarily, not necessarily a bountiful, cheerful giver. The next thing is, if they're not cheerful, then their seed is not multiplied. Remember the verse says, and a bountiful, cheerful giver is the seed multiplied. So in other words, when they're giving and they're not a bountiful, cheerful giver, they're just giving. They're just sowing one seed. It's the bountiful, cheerful giver that's giving seed, and then God multiplies seed to the sower. That sower that he was talking about a couple of verses later. All right, now here's the other thing. So seed is not multi multiplied. This would be uh, point number two, not necessarily cheerful or bountiful. And number three would be the seed is not multiplied. Now, number four is 
that the harvest is based on seed sown and seed sown is based on their current financial levels. In other words, if they're a sower, but they're not a bountiful, cheerful sower, right, then all they can give and all they can sow is what they have in their pocket or in their account at the moment. Okay? They're limited to that. So the seed's not being multiplied, and they're, all, they're limited to what they have in their account. Now, here's the other thing. So, let me see what you got there. Yep, limited to their pocket. In this situation, it is easy for them to not use faith through grace or to not move in grace. It's easy for them to apply faith towards my works instead of God's works. It doesn't mean that they're doing that, but I'm telling you, when all they're focused on is seed time and harvest, and they're not focused on the prosperity through grace, then it's easy for them to not be putting faith in grace. They're just putting it in their seed sown. And so, again, they're not receiving the full harvest off of that. Okay? Ultimately, now, and here's what I want you to watch. When you sow seed, what are you receiving back? Let's, let's look at it this way. When the word says this, it says, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. So a person that's just in seed time and harvest, all they're receiving back is their multiplied return on their giving. Okay? Let me draw it like this. That's all right. Here are two... Oh, that, that one's not very dark. Here are two pools... Yeah. Or this darker. Let me put it here. Nope. So here are two pools. One is seed to the sower, and one is their own supply. Personal supply. One is seed, and one is supply. When the person sows seed, they are receiving back multiplied return into their supply. Okay? When the person is a cheerful, bountiful giver and prosperity through grace, they are receiving seed so that they might sow. It's a different type of supply okay, to them. One is for to sow, and one is for them to eat off of. One is to give, and one is for them to have abundance in their own personal life. So when they sow seed, that feeds supply. That feeds their own personal supply. Now, if they are not, if God gives seed to the sower, right, then what are they pulling future seed out of? If they're not a bountiful cheerful giver, that's the person God gives seed, where's their seed coming from? 
their seed's coming from over here. So number one, that cuts down their supply and it chokes their seed. You see that? All right, so what I said is this, is ultimately just receiving seed and eating their seed constantly. This whole seed time and harvest, it kind of works, but it's slower than necessary and it's not in the fullness. Now let's look at scenario number two, prosperity through grace. Again, it works, but it's limited. And number two, it is receiving from grace. You can erase that or just leave it, uh, erase it. Yeah. It is receiving from grace. In other words, they are receiving. I'm receiving because God has given to me. Because Jesus did great things. Awesome. And it's true. And they have a right to receive because of that. However, they're not a sower. Because they are receiving. They are, yep, not a sower. They are receiving, but they're not into seed time and harvest. So are they now a bountiful sower? They're not a sower because they see that as being works a lot of times. Well, I'm not, I don't have to sow to receive. I don't have to sow to receive. I receive because of grace. So they see that as works. So they receive basically for themselves. In other words, I'm receiving, but I'm not believing. Look, all right, now watch. I'm not receiving to be abundant and a, a sufficient and abundance in every good deed. I'm just receiving for me, for my grace. You need to believe for your own grace. Are you starting to see the error on both sides of that? And it's easy to not use faith for giving. It's easy for somebody who's just believing in prosperity through grace to not move over into faith to actually be a cheerful giver because they're receiving what they need. It can easily lead to giving only when God audibly speaks. Now this right here is a major point. They it can, I'm not saying that they all do, but I'm saying that this mindset alone without uh, seed, time, and harvest, it leads a person to the place where all they do is when God speaks to me so loud I can't ignore it, that's when I'll give. And so they walk around all the time with all the seed that goes into the kingdom in their pocket because God's already told them to be a sower, but they're ignoring that because that's works. You see in the, all right? I'm not saying that everybody that believes grace or prosperity through grace thinks this way. I'm just saying there's tendencies to push you into the ditch in both of them unless you combine them. Here's the other, other thing. Ultimately, they are just sowing out of their fruit meant for them and not receiving seed for sowing because they're not sowers. So in other words, when you have the two different pools that they're pulling from, they're giving out of what they've received. Right? And the other one, I think I got it backwards. The other one, he, he gives seed to the sower, so the sower who's decided to be a sower, God will give them seed, but he's always pulling out of his seed because he thinks that his seed is uh, his fruit. 
The grace person's pulling out of their fruit, and any given they give is out of their fruit. So what they're doing, they're both missing the other pull. You see that? Listen, you don't earn salvation in any area. You don't earn it. Even prosperity and provision, you do not earn it. It is by faith, but faith has a response and a corresponding action. You are not, if you are a seed time and harvest person and you think that you are prosperous because of your seed time and harvest, there is some truth to that, but it's a half truth because you don't earn anything in grace and righteousness, and grace and righteousness is what empowers that promise to work for you. But you don't just receive and receive and receive and say I believe in grace and faith and not have a corresponding action to be a sower. So, uh, watch this, and then uh, here's what we want to do. We're going to put two things, one here and one here, and then over here, will be just right abundance, okay? So over there in seed time and harvest, I want you to put uh, uh, the first thing right here is sow, S-O-W. Big. Yep. So we sow, and then a small arrow to the next word, right? And then faith. and then abundance or our harvest or our fruit now in all right so watch this so over here in seed time and harvest we sow then we apply faith and we receive the fruit, the abundance. Okay? But the problem here is what I said earlier. Basically, seed time and harvest is works first. Works first. Part two. First. Works first, then faith. Now, is that the design? No, that's not the way of God at all. Now, over here, we'll put right here uh, two parts, and we'll put, we will uh, faith, yep, that's good, faith, and then that moves, faith goes into righteousness. That's what we're applying faith to. Then an arrow. No, no, that's just an arrow. And then put here, um, receiving. Okay. So over here we have two parts. In prosperity through grace, faith leads to receiving. Over here, seed time and harvest, we have three parts. We sow, then we have faith, and then we have abundance. Over here, we have works first. Over here, we have faith, but no works. You've got to have both. But let's say 
that we took this line dividing them out because here's what I want you to see. We'll use this in the green. Right here, this receiving is seed. And this abundance is supply, the two pools. So if we take this line out and we combine the two and we apply our faith in righteousness to receive, then we will receive all the seed that we need, which now we can then turn around. We've received, have we received love? So part one has been complete. Now we can move into part two, which love is, uh, if you love me, keep my commandments. I want you to be a cheerful and abounding giver. So you turn that into now you do the works of faith. You apply faith. Now you apply faith again, but not in righteousness. You in, it's empowered by your righteousness, but now you're applying faith towards the seed that you sowed. And so now this faith produces an abundance, which is your personal supply. So this that you first receive is your pool for seed. This that you receive over here is your pool for supply. Now, by combining both of these, you're not just pulling out of one pool and you're not moving in works without faith or faith without work. You're, you're operating in both of them correctly. Watch. Faith, purpose to be an abounding, cheerful sower through righteousness, produces seed to the sower which produces giving because they are a sower, faith to receive, on, then it leads to faith to receive on a seed that's now been multiplied, and they receive provision and prosperity. Let me go through that list again. So the first thing is, I apply faith to be an abounding, cheerful sower through righteousness. Number two, I receive seed to the sower. Number three, I give because I am a sower. Four, I apply faith to receive on the seed that I sowed, but now I have a promise that that seed will not just be one seed, but multiplied seed. And now I receive provision and prosperity. And now I don't, I'm not just pulling out of one pool of God's blessing, I'm pulling out of two, the one that he had planned. Now, when you have somebody that seed time and harvest and they walk in, they're not trying to give out of, out of one pool or the other. They're not just trying to eat and give out of their seed pool. And they're not, and the faith person, uh, faith and grace is not just eating out of their supply. They have the ability to operate in both in abundance. Now see, one of the things in finances and prosperity is this. Let's go back to verse 6. We know that verse 8 and 10 tell us the list of stuff. Thank you. We know that verse 8 and 10 tell us the list of stuff that's God's will, but we don't just get there by accident that verse uh, 6 and 7 help us get to that place. So when we look at it, here's, here's the great thing. He says, now this I say. How many times have you wanted to be a giver, but you didn't have, you wanted to be a sower, but you didn't have what you felt like you should sow? Now why is that? 
It says that he gives seed to the sower. So here's the thing. We got into a meeting, right? And all of a sudden now in the meeting, you want to be a sower. But had you purposed in your heart to be a sower before you got into the meeting? And see, a lot of times we, you know, well, I'll start giving when I have something to give. And so, and what we're thinking about our giving is, it's costing me something. Does giving cost us something? Well, not when he gives you the seed to start with. That's righteousness. In other words, if, if hey, I want you to give, you know, uh, you got it on your heart tonight to give $200. And uh, here's the $200. Well, how much did that cost him? Nothing. But see, we're not applying faith towards that. We're, we're only applying faith when we got it in our pocket. And then we're saying, see, this is seed time and harvest person. When they pull out what they have in their pocket and they say, hey, I got this. And we're limited to what we have in our pocket. So what happens is they're only giving based off of what they have. But somebody who's in a, bount, a bountiful sower and cheerful giver is going to have the seed there at the time that they have purposed in their heart to give. If we don't have it when it's time to give, we haven't, watch this, we haven't become a bountiful and cheerful sower in our hearts. In other words, we come back up here at the, this side, we have not applied faith and sought the Lord and sought our own heart to become not just a sower, but a cheerful sower. And we have not sought the Lord to be a bountiful sower. See, this is what really needs to happen. A lot of times people get hung up because they think that their giving costs them something. Down here, they are fully supplied. Everything that they need is right there. Over here is where they think it costs them something, where they have to give and sow, right? Right here is where they feel like they're losing. But isn't this pool, the seed pool, isn't it given to the sower? So how much is that costing you? Not a thing. This is, that right there is a major hang-up in most people's giving. But the reason that they don't see it that way is because, well, I don't have it, Pastor Brian. Why don't we have it? Verse 6. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do. Now that word right there, those two words, must do, those are not in the original language. They're in italics. It says each one, so it should read the same whether you have them in there or not. Uh, they're just put in there for us to understand the context, but that also means we can take them out. So it says each one just as he has purposed in his heart. It's talking about sowing. Each one must sow is what it's talking about. Just as he purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. What do we need to do? How do we get this thing jump-started? How, how do we, you know, 
All right, Lord, my finances, I need, I, this is what I need. Clear life. You know, I need life in my finances. Even if you already have it, how do I jumpstart this thing, God? This is what it, this right here is where it starts. Lord, I have not been, I know, I have not been a cheerful and a bountiful giver and sower. I'm asking you right now, show me. I'm getting my pride out of the way. I'm asking for your forgiveness. You are faithful and just to forgive me. Show me how bountifully you want me to give. And Lord, whatever you show me in that, I purpose myself. I'm intentional about giving and not just giving bountifully, and not, I'm giving bountifully and cheerfully. That's who I am. That's who I am. Lord, show me how you want me to give. Now, when that person, now, I'm not just saying that one prayer is going to get you to where God ultimately sees you. I'm saying that's where it begins. See, we haven't taken time to purpose in our heart to be a bountiful, cheerful giver. And because of that, we have not had the seed in our pocket when he tells us what to be obedient to give into the kingdom. We need to be operating at such a level. But it comes back to where are we in our heart? See, faith in righteousness is, I can be. Now listen to this. In righteousness, do you have the gift of righteousness? Do you have all spiritual blessings in heavenly places? Then how big of a giver can you be? As big as you want. So it comes down to how much have you purposed in your heart? And see, I can also be a big giver but not be cheerful about it. How much have I purposed in my heart to be cheerful about it? I love giving. I love giving. And not just giving to get that seed time and harvest. I love giving because it is part two, me loving back on God. I love giving. And I have purposed in my heart to be a bountiful and cheerful giver. I purposed it. Have we spent time alone with the Lord meditating on what kind of giver we are? Now you see where we've missed it? Let me tell you, before today, I have missed this. This is brand new for me. I've never heard anybody preach these two sides of it. I haven't, that I can remember. But everything I have heard preached led up to the point where God opened it up for me today. And I wanted to share it with you. How much time have we spent operating in prosperity through grace and seed time and harvest. You see, the prosperity through grace is absolutely true, and it works. Seed time and harvest is absolutely true, and it works. But both are limited until you put them both together. And see, here's the other thing. This prosperity through grace, this is affording you everything. Every promise in heaven is given through His righteousness and grace. Everything that you can have. But what it did was it opened the door for you to apply a system that God designed to work in this earth. 
You see that? It opened His grace and righteousness, opened up the ability for you to be able to apply it in a corrupted world. And see, not just my cup to the full or to the brim, but to see God is able to make all grace abound to me. That having all sufficiency in everything, we may have an abundance for every good deed. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply our seed for sowing and increase the harvest of our righteousness. The whole point is to show you how do I get the harvest out of my righteousness and get it manifested in my life. And not just have it to the brim, but have that thing overflowing and in abundance. It doesn't start with what you sow into the kingdom. It doesn't start, uh, your faith is not a payment. Your, you, you know, what you have in your pocket is not the source. It starts right here with accepting Christ. And once you've accepted Christ, you've been, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. And through my righteousness, all grace is provided for me. And so I apply faith right now to grow in my ability to give, to grow in my heart to be cheerful about it. How many people have ever been in a service and they start to take up an offering and all of a sudden you're like, mm, here they go talking about money again, right? Everybody, nobody wants to raise their hand. <laughs> Everybody generally at some point. What, where is that coming from really? Is it because do we groan when they start the offering because... We're cheerful about giving? <laughs> no. <laughs> it comes from the opposite of that. Generally because we've seen somebody do it wrong. But see, just because they've done it wrong doesn't mean that we accept it in that way. We've got to back up and say, all right, Lord, how do I do this? Here's my righteous faith. My faith through the righteousness of God saying, Lord, help me see. Help me believe to be a bountiful giver and help my heart grow to be a cheerful one. What would happen if you could get a whole group of people that knew how to be a bountiful and cheerful giver and they were just waiting to give, waiting for the moment for God to lead them to give? Oh man, huge stuff. Why? Because God wants to get all kinds of stuff to that kind, those kind of people. Huge. But we've got to change our thinking about that. See, one of the things that happens in, in that is somebody will walk in and in a meeting they will start to want to give, but it's not really who they are. Think about that. They go into a church service and all of a sudden they want to give, but it's not really who they are. Right here it says, not grudgingly or under compulsion. And see, they, compulsion doesn't necessarily have to be bad compulsion. It can just be that I'm moved under the influence. In other words, what he's saying is, man, I'm in a good service and, and it feels great. I want to give to this. And that's not a bad thing. That can be something that God helps to jumpstart this whole, this whole financial process. But that's not the ultimate plan of God. He wants you to go in and before you're ever moved by the service or the good things that's happening, you are a bountiful, cheerful giver walking in because that's who you are. We need to purpose ourselves in our heart to be that kind of people. 
Now, here's the other thing. Church, boomerang. We need to purpose ourselves to be that kind of church. See, this goes beyond now. Now we need to say, Lord, we won't, we're believing you in, through our righteousness, Lord. We are believing you for big stuff. See, if somebody is not a bountiful, cheerful giver, then what happens is they come into a place and let's say they're going in and they're going to give that day, but they're not a bountiful, cheerful giver. It's not who they are. Then they'll go in. Somebody will give to them, you know, an extra hundred bucks, extra thousand dollars before they even get to their seat. And they go, ooh, look, that's for me. But see, a bountiful, cheerful giver goes, why do I have this? Is this to give? Because that's who I am. Now all of a sudden, what did God just do? He just gave them, if they are to give it, great. If they're not, then it's theirs in abundance. But if they are to give it, it goes right here into the sowing. And now that seed is now multipli multiplied to the bountiful, cheerful giver. So when it does come back out, it's multiplied. It's not just that hundred or a thousand. It's multiplied hundred or a thousand. But somebody who's not a bountiful, cheerful giver can't get that. It will stop right there because they're putting it in the wrong pool and they're pulling out of the wrong pool. Are we bountiful, cheerful givers? Is our church a bountiful, cheerful giver? Are we spending time as a church believing God that much will come into this place so that we can give much? I can say, and I repent right now, not enough. We have some, a lot. But not enough. Not enough. We need to do it more. Because a bountiful, cheerful giver has seed supplied to them. Amen. Amen. Do you see it? Do you get it? All right. We'll take some questions later. But right now, let's just do this. Let's just kind of close our eyes and pray over our offering tonight. And then more... I'm going to pray for your offering to be blessed, but this is more for you to say, I'm changing my mindset. And I'm going to lead you in prayer, and you can pray along with me. Lord, I need to become a bountiful, cheerful giver. That's what your prayer will be. Lord, help me to move into that. I want to operate in the fullness and be drawn out of your two pools of prosperity, two pools, not just one. I don't want to be eating my seed. And I don't want to just be living off of my supply. I need to have both of them operating. So let's just pray. Father, right now, first of all, Lord, we just ask you to forgive us. And you are so faithful and just to forgive. Lord, thank you. Where we have come up short in being a bountiful giver, or we have come up short in being a cheerful giver, Lord, we just ask you to forgive us. Your word says that if we, if we repent, if we make that change and turn around and go the other direction towards being a bountiful and cheerful giver, that then you are so faithful to remove those sins. Lord, where we've dropped faith, we have all righteousness supplied to us. Every grace is supplied to us. We could have applied faith to be a better giver. Lord, we thank you for forgiving us for that. And right now, we just come to you humbly. How do 
we become better givers? How do we help us to have a heart to be even more cheerful about it? Lord, help us to be who you called us to be, bountiful, cheerful givers. And, and we're not just praying one prayer tonight, Lord, and then that's the end of it. No, we will meditate on this. We will sit on this. We will come back to this because this is just the first level of growing in our bountiful giving. This is just the first level of us growing in our cheerful giving. And Lord, as we become that person, we don't just think we want to, but it becomes who we are, a bountiful, cheerful giver. As, that, as we become that person, that kind of giver, Lord, as we become that person, let us give cheerfully and be so ready to give in every way. Lord, we understand that financially this opens up a whole world of, of just answering some problems that we've had. We understand that if we see the links and we just put it together and operate in this world through the gift of righteousness, it opens up tons of stuff. Lord, let our hearts remain true. And Lord, we just praise you in advance. We give you the glory in advance for helping us to see how we need to move through the rest of our life here on this earth as a giver that gives bountifully and cheerful. Father, we, the faith is that we purpose ourselves. That's where we apply our faith. It doesn't even cost us anything. You gave us that faith to begin with. That's the jump start. We purpose ourselves. We purpose in our hearts to be a bountiful and cheerful giver, to become that. Not just talk about it, not just know about it, but to become it. And Lord, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Father, right now, anything that anybody is given on your behalf, I just ask that it would be multiplied, pressed down, running over, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Shall men and women give to them in every way. Lord, we receive it in honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a great night. Thank you for joining us.